Welcome to the Kingdom of Thirst podcast. My name is Abigail Kelly, and I'm here with Amalia Dillon again. Welcome back, Amalia. Yay! Hello. Uh, just as an introduction, in case you missed my previous appearances, appearance singular. What are you doing not <laughs> listening to every single episode of this podcast and taking notes? Please stop listening if that's the case. I am Amalia Dillon, a.k.a. Amalia Caracella, a.k.a. Amalia Teresa, author of romantic fantasy and fantasy romance, Bronze Age Greece, and Age of Heroes historical fiction, and contemporary romance. We're all over the board, man. Love it. Yeah, yeah. I keep busy. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. (laughs) Um, Amalia, I have a small gift for you. I would like to show you something. No. (laughs) (laughs) No! Please, please acknowledge our guests. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the cursed dolls have joined us for today's podcast. It's all right. I brought a defense. A defense. <laughs> you, is that a little rain cloud? It's it's a little thundercloud plushie. I yeah, love it. it is. I don't know if that'll work against these cursed little demons I have in my in my podcast studio. If it makes you feel any better, I also have a goose, and I don't know if that levels things out a bit. But I feel like it does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, <laughs> I had a, if, if you're not aware, uh, listeners, I had a little bit of, a, of an episode uh, recently on Twitter. <laughs> okay, so the, the story is, I woke up, it's like 5.30am, and I was like, I, I like woke up full of energy, and I was like, what if I made merch for the podcast out of the dollies. And then I and then I did spend the rest of the morning drawing the dollies. Um and and they're horrifying. They are bad to look at, bad to taste, bad to feel. And you know, we we all have to live with that. I do still think it's a great idea and um I don't care what anybody else thinks. Hey, I'm sure there's an audience for it. I am sure, and I am equally certain that audience overlaps with yours for this they, podcast. I, I I think you mean like degenerates, and you're right. Because <laughs> uh, uh, the people, I will say that the people who did like it are like Cat <laughs> uh, and Brendan, who who recently sent me the most cursed gift I have ever received in my life. It is a an ashtray that is just. A p- giant pair of lips and like what? it's it's and she got it as a joke for me to put in like a let's just say penis shaped cactus she wanted me to put in there <laughs> it is actually an ashtray and it's horrifying it's large enough that i can stick my whole fist in the mouth um, oh my god it's really really what? bad and that's the kind of person who does actually want the merch now yeah. i don't know what that says about me personally nothing good i'm sure It means you know your audience. It means I know some of my audience. (laughs) The other people in the Discord, not as favorable. But it's it's fine. It's fine. You know, I'll take what I can get. Um, Anyway, we're not here to talk about my creepy dollies. We're here to talk about Son of Zeus. Yay! Yay. I'm so excited. I reread it yesterday. And um, you were kind enough to give me a, an advanced reader's copy because like, right. I'm a real professional. That's uh, right. And and I enjoyed it immensely for particular reasons. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like this book is like perfectly tailored to all of my interests. <laughs> we'll get there. Um, I I thought today since since technically this book actually. Uh, on the release of this episode is coming out the day after it's coming out Thursday. Yes, the twentieth. Yes, all of my releases that I self-publish are Thursday releases. I think like that's that's pretty broadly like most um, most of the digital releases that I I know of are, are all on Thursday. I don't know how that became kind of the the thing. That's but, wild. Yeah. Yeah. But all Here of I was I, thinking I was doing my own thing. Apparently I'm just part of the trend. Hey, or or maybe everyone's <laughs> trying to get that Thor energy. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's good energy to have. Yeah, man. We all need that in our lives. Um, For but sure. But 
I, 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 I want you to know, dear listeners, that you can still pre-order if it's a day ahead of time. If you're listening to this on Wednesday, the 19th, get your pre-orders, get your book and read the heck out of it because it's fantastic. Um, but I, I, yes. Also, probably the, probably the paperback is available right now. Probably. A little early. Just, I'm just saying. Yeah. Cause you can, by the time it like, it'll get because they they ship before the release date right no 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 no. i always release the paperback early because you never know if it's gonna get bounced (laughs) (laughs) is it wait is it gonna be up on ingram um it should be usually it takes a couple of weeks for it to propagate into the ingram system Mm -hmm. but it it should be available for um indie bookstores libraries I try to do that with all of my paperbacks. We we talk about in part two of Booksellers episode, but it's just Booksellers part two out before this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we talk about how one of the ways that uh, booksellers can help uh, indie authors is by if they go through the extra effort of putting their books on Ingram, then we can actually sell them. Um, yeah. And we want to, and we will, you know, we're happy to do that. Um, but without them being on Ingram, we have no access to them. Yeah. Um, so we can only do word of mouth. Um, so it's great. Cause that means that I can sell your book in my bookstore. Yeah. I hope uh, so. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Fingers crossed that everything like does what it's supposed to do in the back end. I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to speak on that in case we jinx something. Um, yeah, let's. Let's. Well, hopefully it'll get there. It, Do a search. It'll, it'll all be. It'll all be great. Um, yeah. But I. I know that this book has taken a long time to get to this point. You've. You've had quite the journey uh-huh. with this book. Yes. I. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about some of the themes in the book. Some of the things okay. that. Um. I found very interesting and unique about the book um besides you know pretty much the whole premise um <laughs> not a whole lot of books like it out there i will say um and and then you know i thought we could we could you know be the the big old stinky sticky nerds that we are and and gush about history for a while yay <laughs> okay so how did this book come to fruition tell me tell me tell me so i wrote helen of sparta yes and I, I don't know. Most of you probably, Pirithus is not a well-known hero. Okay, no. he he was Theseus's best friend, and he was kind of like they were kind of like Han Solo and Chewbacca in that Pirithus was always getting them into trouble, and Theseus was always like getting them back out of it. Yeah. Um. So Theseus and Pirithus are in Helen of Sparta because Helen of Sparta is about the abduction of Helen by Theseus pre, pre, before Trojan War, before Paris of Troy ever comes on the scene. And people, like my early readers read Helen of Sparta and they were like, Pirithus is so great. He's the best character. Why isn't, why aren't more characters like Pirithus? Uh." And I was like, because Pirithus can only be Pirithus. No, if everybody else is Pirithus, then he's not Pirithus anymore. Yeah. So... They were all like, you need to write Pirithus a book. You need to write Pirithus a book. And I was like, I don't, I don't know if he can support his own book. Like, yeah, really? Like, he's just like a sidekick, dude. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. And then I was on the phone with my mother. And in my early author days, my mother read all of my books. She was one of my early readers. And she said to me, but but he can't just be trapped in the underworld forever. Like there's, he he has to get out eventually. And I was like, no, that's just, that's the end of the myth. And she was like, no, no. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Sure. He has to, he has to be. So I said, and like, and then I was like, Hmm. All right. Well, what if he did escape? But, like, way, 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 way later. (laughs) And then I was like, also, I'm kind of tired about writing about in settings that I I don't know. So how about Mm -hmm. he just comes to upstate New York, where I was born and raised? And then I know what, like, 
the setting is. I know Mm -hmm. what the trees are. I know everything Mm -hmm. about the region. Because, I mean, I had been writing a lot of books set in places I had never been. So it was a nice break to do that. And kind of the book just kind of blossomed in my head and then fought me for 10 years. Yeah. 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 (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Um, so I I want to lay out the the basic premise. I'm going to do my bookseller pitch uh, as yes. as I as I would if if I were standing at the 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 door and giving someone a curated <laughs> look at books uh, as we are doing right now in my bookstore. I would say that um, this is a book about a supremely arrogant and charming Greek hero who has unwittingly been thrust into our modern world and is stumbled upon by a young woman who um, <laughs> who is the the, the little <laughs> chaos gremlin that I love and respect and I I so wholly enjoyed her <laughs> place within her town and how I, I loved that she had like kissed every boy and like she like <laughs> remember all of them. Like I thought that was fantastic. But I, I would also say that this is this is a book, um I mean it's it's you have such a fascinating take on how the culture would clash. Um, you know, I think it's, we've all read the fish out of water stories, right? Um, we've all read, you know, the, the big bumbling, you know, alpha man, you know, enters our world or whatever. And a, a woman has to take care of him. And then he immediately acclimates after some funny problems with a toaster. Right. Um, like that's, <laughs> that's, that's pretty much it. You, I, I love that you made it him so uninterested in acclimating <laughs> i i because that's like so kingly so perfect um this this yep. this man was a king in his time and he c- comes into our world and he's like whatever i'm still who i am i i understand how the world works in my way and i'm not changing uh, he's a son of zeus yeah. like i mean why does he need I don't to change know, like that's top tier yeah. <laughs> what yeah. authority but beyond Zeus, does he really have to answer to? I ask you. No, none, especially because he's been through three thousand years of torture. At this point, he's like, right. I don't need to, like, whatever, man. Um, uh, but but you know, his his foil here is is Thalia, who is a a woman who is kind of constrained by her position at every angle in this world, right? She grew up in a small town. She had an extremely overprotective brother, came up in a strict Greek Orthodox household. um, And and she has, in her adulthood, attempted to uh, rebel against those things, but not quite enough to actually extract herself from the situation. Um, which I found both frustrating and totally understandable. Um, I I just wanted to be like, Talia, your brother's an asshole. Just don't, you don't have, you don't have to, like, what are you, what are you doing? (laughs) Um, just don't be there. Um, but that's a privileged position to take, so I shan't. Um, but I, I, I really loved also the themes that you had of, of, um, I, I think, Along with the fish out of water stories, particularly in these sort of paranormal-ish romances, right? We have this uh, tendency to, when there are gods involved, uh-huh. to immediately make one person's religion immutable and the other person's mutable. Mm-hmm. Um you know, for one or the other. Like, either it's, hey, your gods don't actually exist. What are you talking about? You know, and they don't play any part in the story. Or it's, oh, now you know that my gods exist, so yours doesn't. Um, yeah. And I I, and I, I understand that you're coming from a very personal place with that with that theme in this book. And I, I felt it on every page. I loved <laughs> the conflict. I loved the compromise of the both of them being like, your gods exist. My God exists. These things are not mutually exclusive. Right. Um, and that was so unique to this. Like, this book has 
so many layers (laughs) that are not just the simple premise of big, arrogant dumbass wanders out of a cave uh, and picks up a hot chick on the side of the road, and then they bone down super hard, and maybe there's some centaurs. Um, Like, (laughs) you know, there's a lot to this, and and then, you know, as well as as you go into in your author's note at the end, um, the idea of he's, he's persona non grata, right? Like, he has he has he's no one in this world he has no papers how would he function how would Dahlia help him a lot of times those things get glossed over um because fantasy um but you don't and and I I'm sorry I'm gushing because I I, I have a lot of thoughts (laughs) in your book but hit me hit me (laughs) they were the book is really good and what I'm saying is this book will take you by surprise not only because it's a a fun love story of just like thorough and ridiculous miscommunication. The idea that Thalia would not have had a Greek god phase in middle school. I'm like, <laughs> what were you doing? What were you doing? Rebelling. That's I what guess. she was doing. I guess Rebelling. that's what she was doing. Her parents wanted to learn, like, anything in Greek? No! Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not doing anything. Yeah. Um. So so let's, let's talk a little bit more about, uh, you know, how how this book has changed over time, what you initially thought your idea was going to be and and how that evolved and how the themes of the book evolved, because I know that that's been something you've you've kind of struggled with over time. Well, I mean, I don't think I would say I I don't think that the book itself, like I knew the story I wanted to tell, like I knew that I wanted to tell the story of Pirithus coming out of coming out of the underworld into the modern world and being like, totally in over his head but like unable to really like grasp that yeah just like (laughs) unable to admit that Mm -hmm. he's in in over his head unable to admit that there are any kind of like authorities beyond himself that he can't just like kind of charm his way out of like pirithus is a king of a people like, he has very powerful friends in his time. Like, Theseus is his best friend. Like, his half-brother is Heracles, and Heracles is still around when he's, like, existing. So this is not... He is not a man. He is a man of extreme privilege. Like, mm-hmm. the most privileged asshole that, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that yeah. there ever was and this is this guy in the myths he introduces himself to theseus by stealing his cattle like, <laughs> he does it on purpose to provoke him because he heard that theseus was some kind of hero and he was like well let me just see for myself let me just test right? that shall we like that's the level that pirithus operates at mm-hmm. so like that obviously was not going to change um mm-hmm. And, and I knew that one of the things that bothers me about time travel stories is when people understand the language. Um, yeah. When, yeah. like, they're thrown back a thousand years and Pirithus is coming 3,000 years into the future. And, and so I knew that I needed some kind of Greek touchstone for him on the other side, even though it was upstate New York. And, it, like, there was, like, I had, I went to school with some people who were raised um, in Greek Orthodox church and community. Um, and, like, I know that, like, there's still a lot of, it's, like, they're very Greek. They're yeah. very Greek yeah. American. Um, and so you have that. So it was kind of, um, my big fat Greek wedding. God, I wasn't going to say it. I'm so <laughs> glad that you did. Meets. <sighs> Pirithus. <laughs> when they went to the diner, I was like, um, um. <laughs> okay, I wasn't thinking of that diner. <laughs> but now that you have brought it up, I feel like you, you the reader, could imagine that diner you, if you, you could, wanted to. You yeah. could. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> so so yeah so like so I tried to but at the same time I didn't want the like I didn't want his counterpart to be too familiar and have all Mm -hmm. of the answers for him immediately yeah Um, because where's the fun in that right like 
like and and the thing that I really wanted to to dig into too is because for me as a as a polytheist as a pagan one of the things I struggle with in like one of the things I struggle imagining which I feel is a failure on my part is a world in which these someone like Pirithus or or the gods themselves step into the world mm-hmm. and people believe them. Yeah. Yeah. Because like I can't even get people to believe that I have an actual real spiritual experience in my life daily. Like a lot of the time it's like, well, what are you is you're just, you know, you just like that aesthetic mm-hmm. whoa like what is going yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and 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 you say no it's a like this is this is the reality of my spiritual experience and and it there's a disconnect because in a monotheistic christian world there isn't room for gods to exist outside of the christian paradigm because the christian yeah. paradigm kind of like shuts that all out it's either demons or you have some kind of mental health issue or you're just imagining things for attention well i mean it's right one of the the core tenets is if you acknowledge a god outside of the god then you are inherently like that right that's that is one of the greatest sins you can possibly do well and and because of the way christianity is built Mm -hmm. it's a denial that christianity is real Mm -hmm. yes and that is something that i i don't believe i believe that christianity is absolutely legitimate and jesus is real god is real i know they're out there doing their things i see their work in the people i love like it's just not it's just not for me. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so <clears throat> I really wanted to see, um, I really wanted to see Pirithus come into the world and I wanted to see someone believe him. And then as I started writing it, I started doing research into undocumented immigration, um, stateless, statelessness, mm-hmm. um, and statelessness is really grim. Like, yeah. it's just these people, they're not protected by, like, even the Geneva Convention because yeah. they don't have a country. If you don't have a country, your country can't sign the pe- like these agreements. Yeah. So you aren't protected by it as an individual, which is like, what, what are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and that was very... I think that some of some of Thalia's fear when she realizes that Pirithus is stateless and she's the child of um, immigrants, mm-hmm. some of her fear, I think, is mine, um, yeah. like for him, because the government can just take you away and lock you up and you never have to come out again yeah. or they can ship you off to any country that will take you whether you have any way of surviving there or not on the other end, who cares just Mm -hmm. to get you out of the country? Like nobody is taking care of these people. Mm -hmm. No, like every, every government is basically abrogating responsibility for these human beings. So, and, and then (laughs) I started writing this book. um, I started writing this book in what year was it? 2011 mm-hmm. so that was a totally different time but we still had some of these issues with borders and refugees um i mean i think that that's a universe like all through all of history there are problems with borders and refugees but it was starting to ramp up and then when i can't like and so and i couldn't publish it then because i was still looking for traditional publishing blah 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 like going through all of the process of trying to get published so I wasn't ready to self-publish I didn't know how to self-publish um and then I and then when I was ready to like I had my agent I was ready to like do something with this book um then we were in a different administration where things were 
exponentially worse. Mm -hmm. And I realized I can't just gloss this over in the book. Like I can't, I can't pretend that this isn't a threat to him because, because that's denying the real like lived experiences of people who are suffering right now today. Mm-hmm. And then, so then I had a whole crisis because I didn't want to do it wrong. And like the last thing that I want to do as a writer is put more harm into the world. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I want to do what I can do to help. Even if all I can do is raise awareness of this as an issue for people who otherwise don't think about it. Yeah. Um, so like that, that really took over my brain um, later on as I was doing revisions. And that was probably the part that was most heavily addressed and revised as I was writing the book mm-hmm. over time. Um, 10, 10 years, nine years, 10 years. Oh, it was a really long time. It was a, really, it was a really long time, this book. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's interesting too, because I've had, it's just so happens that I've had this conversation or some iteration of this conversation a few times in the past few weeks, where uh, particularly uh, for listeners of the podcast, the episodes with the Arcana part two and part part one and part two, um, we talked about how one of the things that was troubling about the arcana amongst many, many, many things <laughs> was that some of the stories were coded as, as you know, these characters are people of color and mm. they touched on things like, just to be casual about it, genocide. Uh, oh. And and they and then they like would have it as a plot point, and then they would quickly move on. And it's oh, we forgive the person who did it, and, and plot wise, we were just going to keep on trucking. Um, and you know, I've had this conversation several times now, where this idea of if you're going to have these big issues, you know, if you're mm-hmm. going to have something this sensitive in in a book. I think you have to be prepared to actually address it, even if you don't have a solution, even right. if you don't have the right answer to it, you should treat it with the gravity you sh- like that, that it deserves. It shouldn't just be a prop. It shouldn't just be some flavor that you sprinkle in because these are things that real people go through every day. Um, right. And and I, I felt like this is a your book is a great example of. No, Folia does not have a solution. No. Folia doesn't fix it in the end. No. Um, but she thinks about it constantly and she talks to him about it and tries to convince him of the gravity of his situation. Right. Um, and he's like, Lady, I I God, you're so hot. But um I got like <laughs> centaurs that are like on our ass right now. I gotta deal with that. I don't know what this whole like papers thing, whatever you're talking about, bullets, I don't right. know what that is. I gotta I gotta go. I gotta go. <laughs> um, I'll be back though. Mul smooch. Um, do you want to touch your butt later? Uh, but uh, I, I, you know, I, I think that you you handled it really beautifully because yeah, Thali is just just one woman. She's just one woman who like is just getting her life started and is. I mean this in the most loving way. She's a little dumb. <laughs> yeah. Love her so much. She's very snarky and stubborn and wonderful, and I think she's clever. But she's also. A little dumb. And she, <laughs> like, love you so much, but like, just a little bit. Um, and she, and, and, and she doesn't, she doesn't have a solution to this huge systemic issue. She doesn't have an in at the immigration office. She doesn't like, you know, she's just a normal person from a small town in upstate New York. Um, and I and I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed. I kept waiting for you to somehow magically fix it. Like Persephone yeah. would just like leave forged immigration papers or something <laughs> on the table or something. Or I expected like Alex, her brother, to like be so grateful that he saved his fiance's life that he would like turn out. Oh, you know that I have a job at the immigration office or something. No. You know, no, no, none of that. You didn't. No. You didn't do that. And that was. I mean that that's. I, that's extremely tempting to do because I think as romance authors, right, we want to like want to just neatly doop, 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 wrap, wrap things up, make make all the happily ever after. It's all happily ever after. But you in in Son of Zeus, you really kind of drive home that you can have a happily ever after and still have problems. 
Yeah. Yes. And that's that doesn't mean that your your happiness is invalid. It doesn't mean that, you know, it won't work out. It it does just mean that sorry, if you're a normal human person in a, in the world, you probably don't have the tools to fix a problem that is as systemic as like racism or immigration problems or or anything like that. Um and that's that sucks, but it's real. yeah and and like to be to be completely honest like i still i'm not sure that i did it right right Mm -hmm. like i knew Mm -hmm. that i couldn't like magic the solution away and i'm sorry but i don't think the gods like i think the god the greek gods have like bigger concerns than someone's immigration status I don't I don't think that's on their radar, but um I mean Percy Jackson would I mean <laughs> they would the guys there would probably be like, Yeah, we can we can slide this on the DL for you. But, right, but right. that's a whole that's a whole different genre. Yeah, not yeah. No, yeah. Um so so I knew that I didn't want to magic the solution, but like I still don't have and I still don't have a solution. Like I, mm-hmm. I started writing a sequel, The Further Adventures of Thalia and Pirithus in Washington, D.C., because, like, my aunt was like, oh, she read The Son of Zeus, and she was like, now I'm imagining their adventures in Washington, D.C., and I was like, that's a good idea. (laughs) Um, But, like, again, this is still a problem, and if anything, it's more of a problem with him in a big city than it is when he's out in the boondocks. Like, how do you, like, how are we going to address this? I don't know. I'm the author. I don't know. I I really don't. My my we'll first thought is like he finds a hidden underground society of of Greek myth like uh, <laughs> you know like and and they've got like some some forger that he can go to and he's like why do I need this and they're just like just you need to trust me yeah. Um, yeah but that's the that's the fixer in me who's like but what if I just made it all easy for him what if I yeah. just made it easy yeah yeah. Uh, and that's, that's always, not going to happen. Yeah, that's not that's not to the to the benefit, right? Of of the characters or the story, you know. Right, 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 right. Um, if you're gonna if you're gonna address it, then you're gonna address it, right? Right. Like like I said, I, I again to go back to the Arcano, the fact that they did just have an easy slap mandate on it yeah. that fixes everything really cheapened the rest of the story. Right. Um, you know, also all of the microtransactions, but that's a different thing. <laughs> right, right. Yep. Um, so I I really appreciated how you handled it. Is it perfect? I mean, probably not, but like, I don't know what is. Yeah. Um, so. I, I What I can say is I did the best that I could do. Yeah. That's about that's, all you can do. That's it. <laughs> yeah, and you and you went into it too with with the you know the the thought at the front of your mind that you did not want to actively do harm by right. like you know I don't know what is it characterizing uh, some person's lived experience and and that's you know that's kind of all you can right. do is come about it sensitively I don't I don't know yeah I don't know. yeah um, yeah. But I, I I did want to also talk about um, what is the <laughs> what what was the the inspiration for Thalia? <laughs> what was <laughs> I feel like you know her? No, I, you don't know her because I, I felt like I was like oh I went to school with this girl like I know this girl. Uh, I think maybe maybe she's. Maybe she's the person I wished that I had been. Mm-hmm. Right? But I, like, I don't, I, like, she definitely isn't, like, based off of anybody that I know. Like, mm-hmm. I never, yeah, like, I, like, I don't know. Who doesn't want to be, like, the person. Loose and fancy free? Yeah, like, going around and making out with boys until their big brother comes in to stomp on them and, like, getting kind of, like, a little bit of a thrill out of that too until suddenly it really isn't funny anymore and you just mm-hmm. want your brother to like leave you the heck alone mm-hmm. but like also like I don't have I my my household was pretty strict growing up mm-hmm. so I wasn't allowed to do a lot of things like I couldn't even like walk to the park by myself and that was like two blocks so I I feel for Thalia in that regard 
But I definitely never had the uh, super protective, obnoxious big brother figure. My brothers mm. were not like that at all. They were a lot Mine older either. than me. Like, they just did not care. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, they cared, but they, I was not on their radar. No. Really no. at all. Um, it, Like, so, like, there was, I didn't have any of that in my life. Mm-hmm. But it sure did serve the story for Thalia to have to deal with that. <laughs> yeah. You know, okay. So one of the things, like like I like I said earlier, one of the things I kept expecting was just like to uh, some like magical solution to come along, you know, to, to fix his immigration problems. Yeah. Um, but I, I also was, I feel like you were dropping little like Greek, you know, myth little 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 what are they called um oh my god oh my god what are they called <laughs> when they're eggs? yes i was i kept i was kept wanting to say something else but yes uh easter eggs in there and and because of one specifically um i the the you mentioned at one point that she was making out with a boy which who was in high school in a field and then they got chased out of the field by a white bull <laughs> I was like, hey, there's a lot of weird, like, she, she's she's been around a lot more stuff than I think she realizes. Um, and I was like, and then one of the main points of uh, Pyrrhus' story is that the reason he got caught in Hades was because he swore that he would marry a daughter of Zeus, which mm-hmm. is rough, considering he's also a son of Zeus, but we're not going to talk about that. Um, which he addresses in the book. He does do that. Not really to my satisfaction, but he does do it. Um, and, and so he 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 tries to kidnap Persephone. Um, doesn't go great. Why are you trying to steal the wife of the god of the you know underworld? I don't know. Yeah, but I don't either. Again, really... arrogant dumbass. We're gonna do yes. Um, and that's why he gets strapped to the chair and what all. Um, yeah. So I kept kind of thinking, like all the way up until like the last fifteen pages of your book, I was like, "Is she gonna turn out to be the daughter of somebody, or like the great great granddaughter, like descended from Zeus, or like something?" Um, and that and that doesn't happen. Um, but I I definitely like I I kept being like that. Well, that would explain why she's so freaking reckless all the time <laughs> and getting nasty with it all the, all over the place. Well, um, like, and this is the thing. Her dad's was, also not around. Yeah, her dad has, her father is dead, and her mother is in Greece taking care of the grandparents in in the home country. Yeah. So she, it's basically her and her brother are the only people in the United States, and that's probably part of why her brother is so mm-hmm. up in her business. Mm-hmm. But like, actually, I totally lost my train of thought. Something. I'm so sorry. Something. No, no, no. It was me. Something. <laughs> her, her being a maybe a daughter of somebody. Some, some. No, it's gone. It's just oh. gone. It flew oh, out of my oh, head. Yes. It'll come back. It'll come back. It'll come back. Something about if if Thalia. Okay, okay. Until until you get that thought back, yeah. if Thalia could be the daughter of any god, who would she be? Oh, this is. A tough I don't know one. why the first one that comes to me is Poseidon. Um. Yeah, no, I don't think she's got. I don't think she's got Poseidon energy. But like, maybe like a little Dionysus. Maybe, maybe a little bit. She does like to party. She does like to party, and she does like to just like do whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Like. She does okay, much like Dionysus when he when he picks up his bride from the beach after she's been abandoned. Yes, uh, yes. She does just pick up a man's off the side of the road. She does. She does. And oh, I remember this is what I wanted to say. Okay. As I was doing this last revision, um at like I realized it is more believable that like sh- that Pirithus would be Pirithus in the world than that Thalia would pick up a man off the side of the road. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, fully. Yeah. And, and, like, and part of that, I feel like part of her characterization is all just justification for this For that one, one for the choice. <laughs> because how, 
how else do you explain it? Yeah. Yeah. Unless she's just completely reckless in every other respect already to the point where she just is like, nope, I'm doing it. I, I want to say for the listeners, how they meet is Thalia and her future sister-in-law, Nikki, are on the side of the road in the middle of the night stealing a sign uh, yeah. when Pirithus comes wandering out of yeah. the woods like a like a <laughs> newborn fawn going, what is that mighty chariot? Oh, and who are these fine young women? Maybe I will seduce them after yeah. I figure out what the hell is going on. There's definitely a boner in like the first yeah. chapter. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Immediately. <laughs> as, as all good romance novels should have. Well, I mean, um, look, the guy just can't he's he's been three thousand it's a three thousand year drought for him he's the son of zeus yeah, that's and all you need to say that's like truly yeah. truly yeah. Uh, he's he's he was born horny and he'll die horny i'm sure it's for real yeah yeah and it's a no hitchhiking sign <laughs> yep Yes, it's, it's a no hitchhiking hey, sign. It's reasonable because she she couldn't listen to the sign because she she did she did done take it. There was no sign up to tell her not to do it. I you never do address what she did with the sign, Amalia, and that like frustrates me because I really want it to be like above their headboard. And he can't read, so he doesn't know. <laughs> I like I suspect that it it's definitely going with her to her apartment. I don't think she would hang it in the family home for her brother to find and be mad at her about, but I mean, in the grand scheme of things, he's probably more mad about Pirithus than he is about the uh the, the sign, huh? Oh, I don't know. I feel like he is the kind of guy who keeps a list. That's true. I'm gonna be real with you. I fucking hated Alex. I yeah. hated him so much. He's like, the worst. Yeah. He's, t- he's kind of terrible. I kept yeah. expecting him to flip. Like, after Nikki comes back and is like, hey, no, nah, this is like a thing. You need to chill out. Um, and also, damn, dude, are you going to let some guy just go die in the woods <laughs> after you saved your pregnant fiance's life? Turns okay. Out, um, yes, he is. Turns yes. out that fully, fully yes, he's he okay is. with that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's he's not a great person. I'm sorry. Mm-mm. They can't Mm-mm. all be winners. No, no. Uh, and also, <laughs> I, I did get, I, I think the part I laughed at the most, because their book is also supremely funny. It, like, there are some absolutely, and I want to say, funny and not a cringy way, which I think these fish out of water stories tend to be. Like, you just get a lot of, like, public embarrassment that just makes you yeah. want to curl up into a tiny ball and, and, yeah. and die. Um, you, you definitely, like... <laughs> Like, he's so arrogant that he will never admit he doesn't know something. Yeah. But, like, then they go to Home Depot and, like, they meet the guy and she turns and it's some dude she's, like, made out with in the past or whatever. Yep. And, yep. and, like, he's, like, I just, something about an image of, of this ancient Greek hero slash demigod slash king being in Home Depot and just kind of standing there fuming as this, like, dude in an orange apron is being like, hey, honey, you remember that time we smooched? Uh, and she's like, can you show me to the stone section, please? I need to look at your sheds. I got a temple to build. And he's like, what? Like, like that was just like so absurd. I loved every second of it. I could smell the Home Depot smell. It was delightful. My favorite part of that is when he's like, can I assume he knows how to use a screwdriver? Talia's like, actually, nope, nope. He can maybe use a rock. He can use a bigger rock. (laughs) She's just like, and she's like really like down low about it too. Like just like the tiniest little head shake. And, like, low-key, like, the dude at the Home Depot must think that he's just straight up, like, fully, like, has, this dude is fully impaired. I don't know what his deal is. He's huge. He's shredded. He's fine as hell. Head empty. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can just imagine, though, that a lot of people come into these home improvement stores who, like, think that they can do the thing by themselves, mm-hmm. but really they have no business trying to do the thing. And I feel like these employees, they know. They do know. <laughs> they know. So, yeah, 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 that's a good one. 
Oh, it was very good. And also the whole thing with the zipper was very, very good. I, I, oh, when I, I like flinched because I, there's the scene where listeners, he, he, they're going to get him some clothing because mind you, he only like has a tunic really uh, at this point. He's just, just kind of wearing a dress and some sandals. Um, And he, so they go to like a a Macy's essentially, right? Uh, Like a Coles. It's a JCPenney's. A JCPenney's. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Um, And, and uh, they, they go to get him some clothes and he, and she like sends him to the dressing room because Thalia consists does not recall the fact that he <laughs> he literally has no idea how anything works. Like well, she doesn't point, really believe him yet yeah, at that yeah. point. So she doesn't, she really doesn't know. I would say she she gets that excuse, except she also does it in the diner much later after she does well, believe yeah, him. And is like, what do you mean that's you don't know what you want from the menu? And he's like, bitch, I can't read. And she's like, oh, shit, right. My bad. Mummy, mummy, mummy. She had some other things on her mind in that moment, okay? That's true. That's true. She she was thinking about how horny he was. Um, but uh, I I I I loved this part where he goes into the dressing room and he tries on a pair of jeans for the first time and he just absolutely shadracks a zipper and I and I like flinched because I was like he's gonna hey is he wearing underwear he's gonna mess his whole zone up like he needs someone Thalia. <laughs> Please. <laughs> and I really struggled with how to name that part of his anatomy um in that scene, that particular yeah. scene because I was like I don't what what would he call this? <laughs> his father's <laughs> gift. <laughs> Like that was like up until like the, this year. It was this year, just a few months ago. When I feel I like was you, still you were talking about decide. this on Twitter. I was, yeah, I was yeah. talking about it on Twitter because I did. I knew for sure I didn't want to use the word manhood, and and I, but I just like I was like, what what is culturally appropriate? Yeah. <laughs> like he's yeah. not gonna call it a dick, like. I, like, what What would he, how would he refer to himself down there? Okay, it would have been really funny if you just been like, ah, oh, yes, my mighty jumbus. <laughs> like, my dongle. Like, the amount of time, like, you don't think about the amount of time that authors spend trying to figure out how an individual person would refer to their uh, own. There are no good words, Amalia. There I've said it aren't. on the podcast before, yeah. and I'll say it again. There are no good words for any of that. <laughs> there just aren't. And it, you'll pick one that you think is like at least suitable to the character, right? Right. and still people will be like, oh my god, I can't believe you used that word. How foul. And it's like, I there's none, there's none good yeah. words. There's none. <laughs> Uh, I I went through the same crisis where I want my the book that I finished a little while ago. The the guy is from he died in 1905, mm-hmm. um, and, and so he was he was born in like the 1880s, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. he, how would he refer to his his, his uh, Yeah, yeah. And and how does that differ from our main character who was born in like 92? Yeah. You know? I feel like it would differ a lot. It would differ a lot. And I, and I is, yeah, there's, there's nothing for it. There's nothing for it. Either you pick something deliberately old timey and that mm-hmm. feels weird and sounds, mm-hmm. and sounds like you're just a bad writer. Right. 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 Uh, who, who found one of those like listicles of like yeah. weird old timey <laughs> slang that people use. And it's like, no one ever. No. They right. like, that was from like a satirical article in like 1920s. Right. Like that right. was not. No. Um, but but at the same time, yeah, you kind of just got to pick one and hope that it feels right. And sometimes yep. it don't. Uh, I, I The amount of times I've been taken out of a scene because someone says something that really doesn't line up. Or like the dirty yep. talk takes a very modern twist all of a sudden. And I'm like, oh, yep. <gasps> anyway, what did you go with? I don't remember. <laughs> Oh, I used Spearhead. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, and but there's like a whole other scene like that's like 
explicit, like, where they're, like, I mean, I don't know if it's really explicit. I wasn't really writing explicit sex yet. Um, <laughs> but where they're having sex and the whole scene is me just, like, him interrupting himself before he gets to the, the point where he has to refer to his yep. business because <laughs> yep. I was like, I just don't know what to say. I just mm-hmm. don't know what he would call it. Like, I just, mm-hmm. it just, I just can't do it. I couldn't commit. That's, yeah. I don't, I, I feel like I can also only commit to, to like, actually picking one on the, like, second or third draft. Like, first draft, impossible. I can't. I'm too embarrassed. But <laughs> I can, once I've calmed down a little bit, I can, I, can, I can get my head on straight and I can figure it out after that. But the first yep. draft, I'm like, I'm just gonna cruise on by. Um, yep. Okay. So, was there anything else you wanted to say about your book, The Son of Zeus, pre-order now, comes out tomorrow, May 20th? Is there anything else I want to say about Son of Zeus? I Besides love it. it. I, 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 this book has spent a long time trying to get to this point. Mm-hmm. And I am so, so happy to let it go out into the wild. Yeah. And I just hope that it is received by anyone mm-hmm. positively that's 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 all that's that's really i yeah i and and if you are familiar with any of my other work um especially as amalia caracella you you might be interested to know that i actually wrote son of zeus before i wrote tamer of horses which <laughs> tamer of horses is pirithus's adventures like 30 years, 20 years before Helen of Sparta, when he is a youth, like he's, well, he's not really a youth, when he is a young king um, and his marriage to Hippodamia. So it's a, not only did Pirithus get one book, he got two whole books for himself. As he would see as fitting. It's true. It's as true. As he deserves. Yeah. 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 I, I also I wanted to say that one of my favorite lines in the book that made me laugh out loud was uh, in a diner scene when they're talking and they're, they have recently discussed uh, uh, Pirithus's bisexuality um, mm-hmm. and and uh, they they end up talking about you know his life before and and you have a line in there that I think really just sums up. <laughs> everything I know about you and it was it all comes back to Theseus doesn't it? <laughs> it, um, it truly it truly <laughs> does I love Theseus yeah. I I love Theseus and I'm sorry he's great that whole Ariadne thing it really depends on which source you read okay <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying in some versions, he was ordered to leave her by the gods so that she could become the bride of Dionysus. Like, what are you going to do if you're Theseus and the gods are like, no, what are you going to do? I'm just, just saying. I mean, it's a good question. You will, I actually, I think what would happen was you become Pirithus. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's what happens when you say no. <laughs> So we do know, actually. <laughs> but as mentioned previously, not everyone can be pure at this. Pure at this has straight. to be just himself. He is yeah. quite the singular gentleman. That's truly, true. truly. Um, and like, and I really, definitely, one of the things I really loved about this book, mm-hmm. if I can say one more thing, yeah, is. Looking at our world through his eyes mm-hmm. and just seeing seeing him recognize, even if he won't admit to it, the smallness of his own life Yeah, when the world is so much bigger than he had realized yeah. it ever was. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed that, that arc in the first, like, 25% of the book where he is coming to grips with the fact that there was a whole-ass continent he mm-hmm. didn't know about. Mm-hmm. Uh, his his world was 
God, what does he say? Like the size of his thumbnail or something like yeah. that. Like, yeah. um, and and that was existentially just it, he was just wrecked for a minute. Um, yeah. Over that, and that that felt very real. I mean, I think, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And because he was a very well traveled, like he went on all kinds of adventures. You know, mm-hmm. he was a very well traveled person. Um. So, like that. I feel like that would definitely be a hit. Like how is he, he's now he's in a world that he's never, never even knew. Yeah. Never even knew this land. Could not have fathomed yeah. existed. Could not have even imagined it. Right. Uh, and that to someone as self-assured as, as yeah. Pyrrhus would be just devastating. Yeah. Um, and I felt like, you know, how I felt after I, I finished reading your book for the second time, I was like, I, the amount of like depth and nuance you gave to like an objectively absurd premise, right? Of this like <laughs> Bronze Age hero wandering out of a cave and finding a hot lady and boning down, yep. right? Yep. Like in, in three thousand yep. years in the future. Like yep. I, I loved the nuance you you gave it. I loved the humanity you gave everyone. I loved the complexity of Pyrrhus's relationship with his gods and his relationship with Thalia and Thalia's relationship to his gods and her own and him. Yeah. Like it was yeah. this and it all happened in the span of like two weeks, right? Like yeah. this yep. this I, I I not only is it a very fun and funny fish out of water love story, it's got all of these these elements that make it incredibly rich. And I, I just I can't express how much I enjoyed it. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad. I mean that's kind of it's what I do. <laughs> it is what you do. It's what you do. It's what you're good at. It's why you're here. Yeah. Um, okay. So on that note, uh, let's do the pluggables. Plug zone. All right. Mm-hmm. First of all, Son of Zeus tomorrow, May yes. 20th. Pre-order now. It's gonna. It's um. It's in wide release. It's gonna be available for Nook, Kobo, Kindle, Apple Books, plus some European digital markets. I'm not really familiar with, but one is called Thalia. So like, I feel like that's a little extra delightful. And it should be available in paperback right now, at least from Amazon, if not from other places yet. But look for it to come to the other places. Uh, availability to other places soon. If it's not already. Um, And also to celebrate Son of Zeus, his other book, Tamer of Horses, um, my Bronze Age historical fiction about the adventures of younger Pirithus romancing his bride Hippodamia and the war between his people and the centaurs is also now in wide release, available for Nook, Kobo, Kindle, Apple Books, um, whatever Thalia is. Go forth. <laughs> and it should be available in paperback everywhere. Um, it's it's not returnable. I, I apologize. Well, you're not you. gonna want to return it. You're not gonna want to return it. Don't even worry about yeah. it. <laughs> but but it's but it's available in paperback everywhere. And like the cover art for Tamer of Horses is just to die for. I'm yeah, like it's very cool. My artist um, Lane was just he just killed it. Um however, fair warning. Tamer of Horses is not technically a romance. Do not read the epilogue if that's what you're looking for. Without the epilogue, you can at least get a happily for now. That's Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I mean, it is really sexy. Like, Son of Zeus was, like, my first attempt at writing a sexy book. And you can kind of see that as I go along. Mm-hmm. Tamer of Horses... I was like, I I did not hold back, and neither does Pirithus. So they didn't is, tame those horses. <laughs> there is a lot of some good loving in that book. As and as my my I, manager would say, there's a lot of good dicking down. Yeah, yeah, and um, <laughs> I'm also really excited to share that Honor Among Orcs now has a hardcover edition. <gasps> Um, that's because it only went live yesterday, which is like, for those of you listening to this in two weeks, three weeks, I don't know how long it's been, It three weeks ago. 
<laughs> some some point in the past. <laughs> um, yeah, it only went live yesterday. Unfortunately, it's Amazon exclusive because that's how they roll. Mm-hmm. But it has beautiful new cover art. It has a new and beautiful interior. That Hold on. I, are, there, are there links to this? It should be on the Honor Among Arcs Amazon page. Right. Hold now. on. Yeah. Hold on. Yeah. It's it's deeply discounted right this second. It will not be discounted anymore by the time this airs. I'm sorry <clears throat> to all of you listeners. Okay, let me see. <laughs> Oh, well, it, oh, it is. It's only sixteen ninety five right now. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. It the full price is going to be twenty four ninety five, which is still yeah. not a bad price for a hardcover. Um, no, no, they're they're running about thirty now. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So look for that if you love Honor Among Orcs um, and you're a super fan. Uh, I'm really excited about the new chapter headers, which I designed myself. Yes, um, very good. The hard way. <laughs> you, yep, yep, the hard way, yep. Uh, in the meantime, if you like anything that you have heard me talk about on this podcast, you can find me on Twitter. I am at Amalia, T-D, A-M-A-L-I-A-T as in Thomas, D as in Dylan. Um, and I'm also on Instagram, I guess at author Amalia, uh, mm-hmm. my blog, www.amaliadillon.com. And all of those roads lead to the rest of me because there are multiples. <laughs> yep. And, and I have a Patreon too. If you want to become a patron, p- patrons um, actually already read son of Zeus. It was released to them in a serialized format in 2019 and 2020. I have edited it a little further since um, for this big release, but uh, that's just one of the perks that patrons sometimes get is early access to stuff that I'm publishing. So check it out, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds great. Um, All right. So all of uh, your social media links and links to your website and links to your books uh, are going to be in the episode notes. Yeah. just go click, hey, hey, listener, I want you to open up your phone, and I want you to go, and I want you to click the thing, and I want you to click the thing that says read more, and I want you to look down there and see all the links. See the links there? It's everything. There's everything there. You never do that. Y'all never read those. I work hard to make those funny, hey, and hey, they don't. I read them. It's Thank just you. sometimes I can't remember what the title of the book is that you were talking about. <laughs> and then I have to hit you up on Twitter and ask again. That's true. That's one? true. That is true. That's fair. Also, like some of the episodes have like 10 books to yeah. them. So yeah. I can't even, I can't even get mad about that. Um, but uh, so in case you are unwilling to read, um, which fascinating that you listen to this podcast, but there we are. I'll, I'll take them. I'll take them all. I don't care. Um, you can find me at Kingdom Thirst across all the platforms: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, Instagram, I'm I'm trying to use more. God help me. Uh, I'm I'm using that as my platform for mini reviews, not simply for for uh, romance novels, but for everything that I read, which includes a lot of nonfiction. It includes a lot of literary fiction. Um, and it includes Amalia's recommendations to me as well, a la Enchantment of Ravens, um, <laughs> which I, I, I finished recently. And it was very good. I was oh. so stressed out. I was oh, so we are going to talk me. about that later. You, you are going to talk about it. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Um, but I, uh, I, I also can be found uh, at Abigail K. Kelly. There are two Ks there. Sorry. You know, uh, my bad. Uh, and uh, you can. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm from... Abigail Kelly is an elderly pianist who took everything from me. She took it all from me. So I have I an understand. extra K there. Uh, look, People I'm, are always like. <laughs> I'm still mad at the person who has the Twitter handle of Amaliad because. Oh, yeah. That should be me. That should be you. That should be me. I mean, we could, we, well, well, we'll talk about the, the dark deeds we can commit later, I suppose. Um, 
<laughs> but uh, uh, yes, I also, uh, we have a Discord server that's very fun. I get it to, up to some real stinky nonsense up in there. Um, I, I do harass my listeners frequently with with terrible photos um, and, <laughs> and, and the, the terrible things that I say and don't think about. <laughs> um, <laughs> I did put the cursed babies in there, the cursed little dollies. Um, and and I found out that most of my listeners are cowards. So that was interesting. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and also, um, I'm still sending out stickers. If you want free stickers for the podcast, hit me up. You know where to find me. Use contact form on our website, kingdomwithers.com slash contact. Um, also, I'm doing a new thing that if you, uh, to, to get people listening to the podcast, if you drop a review on Apple Podcasts, if you share your favorite episode on any social media platform and you send me a screenshot, uh, I will give you a shout out on the show. Happy to do so. I will say thank you to you personally. I may even say something ribbled, maybe. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but if you if you would like to do that, that would be super helpful. That would help the show out. Also, it would be fun. I'd like to get to know who's listening to the podcast because a lot of you are out there, but not a lot of you talk to me. And it's <laughs> and that's maybe for the best. But really, I'd, I'd like to know you. Uh, and and that's mood. about it. Um, if, if you want to see my creepy dollies, uh, you know, head on over to Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I just think they make great merch, Malia. That's all. I just... <laughs> Look, I mean, after like, I feel like it's it's in keeping with the brand after the Faye episode. I'm just, I think just so. Saying. Also, yeah. I all of my my recording space is littered with gifts from my terrible bad friends, and the dollies are. <laughs> are I didn't purchase them. They were a gift from one of my bad, stinky friends, along with my Edward Cullen bag that hangs above my head like a, a waiting noose swinging in the afternoon breeze. I've got I've got various spanking implements that stare me down. I've nice. got I've got the goose from the goose game here. His malevolent presence haunts me. It's you know it's a bad energy in here, Molly. I think it's what I'm saying. And I need to start weaponizing it more. <laughs> I understand. Okay. All right. Well, this has been fun. I'm sure you'll be back on. We'll talk about something else soon, probably. Uh, I would love yeah. it. All right. My well, pleasure. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you for having me again and for reading Son of Zeus. Like, I really, I was really excited when you wanted to read it, and, and I'm really grateful that you wanted to talk about it. It's my pleasure. It's so my flavor. It's so good. Um, okay. Well, I will talk to you again soon. I will talk to the listeners again next Wednesday. Um, so gird your loins, I suppose. Uh, and uh, that's it. That's the end of the podcast. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.